0: Are you sure that it's recording now?
1: It's recording now. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Hi, guys. Welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your host, Monica, and I am joined with a great guest, an awesome guest, a returning guest, in fact. You know, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people, tell them a little about yourself, okay? Yeah. Uh,
0: um, My name's Jalen Pearson. Uh, Monica and I work together on Off Color, a... Publication which seeks to center and position people and people, it, people of color in um, pop culture, and I am a New York-based uh, public relations professional, aspiring author, aspiring MMA fighter, and I think yeah, pretty much summarizes me.
1: Awesome guys, thank you so much for returning to this week's episode of i've been meaning to watch that this week we're talking about best tv shows of 2022 and if you haven't already join the patreon write and review us on apple podcasts and spotify and share with your friends and follow us on instagram and twitter as well and before we get into the best tv shows of 2022 we're going to hop into our first segment where we talk about new releases and a little bit of entertainment news and the first thing i want to talk about which i haven't talked about on any other podcasts is uh you the final season is coming out season four and the funny thing is, is that we actually started recording this uh and then we recording for like about 10 minutes and i didn't realize that we weren't recording and now we are thank goodness but uh we're gonna hop into season uh we're gonna hop into like talking about new releases season four review is coming out soon i am ready for the show to be over i'm ready for the show to be done as much as I love Penn Badgley, I can't wait for him to like leave this show in the Same. ground.
0: <laughs> I can't I wait mean, for... I'm Kind of over the whole glamorized white male serial killer thing by now. Same. Like like the whole Dahmer Discord just left a very bad taste in my mouth that I just want the genre. And it is a genre at this point mm-hmm. to die out
1: yeah i do agree with you because the reason why i started watching you because like when it first was announced i immediately was like i'm not gonna watch this i'm not gonna pay attention to this i'm not gonna give this any kind of any of my attention any of my time because the show is bad not like it's bad but like the premise is terrible like there's this white man who's stalking this girl and he's creating this whole image of her in his mind and he's in love with her he's like deeply infatuated with her in an obsessive manner and it's gross you know and i feel like my um the what drew me to you was the fact that pen badgley is in it and of course i know pen badgley from gospel girl and EZA and i love pen badgley as an actor and of course that's what drew people to like dahmer you know because evan peters who was a great actor and people know him from american horror story and like um what was the movie called american animals He's in the movie with Barry Cohen, Cogan,
0: American Horror Story. He was yeah. in that for a
1: Yeah, American Horror Story and the movie American Animals, and I'm sure he's in other things as well, but you know, um that's kind of like the pitfalls because these shows center a uh, homicidal white men who are very much real and exist society, and they're portrayed by very talented, attractive actors that draw people in to watch the show, and another thing that draws people in to watch these shows is that everyone looks at villains like redeemable characters who can be changed, and yeah. of course women fall for that all the time, especially white women, and that's what brings these shows such success, and am I going to watch the last season of You? Yes, because I need to see Joe die. That's the only thing, that's the only resolve I have. I don't want a Bojack horse situation because he does not deserve that. (laughs) He needs to go. John Tucker must die. That's it.
0: I mean, I don't know. I think that you have never really drawn a line between is Joe good or is he bad or is he just like a damaged person who needs help? And that's, I think, where the show falls short. I I think it's like, Mm -hmm. well... Well written. I think there are like some like really um engaging and really just like mind mind bending plot twists. But yeah. I think like Joe goes out of its way to kind of moralize and humanize Joe too much, just yeah. so it gives itself existing basically.
1: Yeah, like the second no. Yeah, I think it was it was the second season where we started seeing parts of joe's past with his mother and his abusive father and you can see like his need to protect women to the point where like he sees women as weak and stupid and they're, like you need him and then of course he gets extremely violent and hurts people and he keeps carrying that freaking glass case wherever yeah. he goes i don't know how you how, i don't know how you travel with that thing i don't know how you sign a lease for an apartment with a new identity with a fake identity i don't know how he's doing any of this stuff and he doesn't get caught. It doesn't make any
0: sense. Yeah. And he And he's not, like, trained or anything. Or no! Like, he's a normal he's just person. Like, like, basically using Google. hmm I guess he's a smart guy using Google or something, but he's just... He's an ordinary guy.
1: And he... I'm probably... Sh- I'm sure he doesn't even have a VPN. And even if he did, the cops can still look through your search history. Like, yeah. the fact that Love could figure out all the things that he's done in an afternoon... And there have been no law enforcement after him? Like.
0: I mean, talking about this before, but police don't solve more crimes than they do solve.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like, a lot of the times, like, the cops are not Batman. You know what I mean? Like, the number of times where some. Like, in true crime, when you're watching a true crime documentary the number of times that someone will go to a cop and be like, this person is stalking me, I have a restraining order this person, they're not leaving me alone, or like, hi, this person is missing, I need your help. The cops don't do anything. They don't want to, like, put any effort into, like, actually helping people or protecting mainly women and namely, like, people of color and, like, queer people. Like It's just like, oh, you're on your own, we have to fill out this paperwork, and, you know, if someone has a civil dispute or if you need us to, like do something else. I don't know what else cops do, really, but, like, sorry, I can't help you with that guy who's stalking you, and the next thing you know, this girl ends up missing, or she dies, and it's like, oh, how'd that
0: happen?
1: What? You're saying, Jay? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: Yeah, it just happens all the the time, sadly.
1: Yeah, that does suck, but, um, yep, you is coming back to Netflix, so that's gonna be fun. Can't wait for all of the tired discourse to come back again and i do want to say like you know i don't want to talk about you anymore (laughs) let's move on um i guess the next new release i want to talk about that i'm actually really excited for is party down this is a really popular show back in the day with like adam scott and some other notable names in comedy and the show's coming back for its third season it's being revived and i think it'll be pretty interesting to see this show come back. I have a lot of friends that watched the show and really liked it. I haven't gotten the chance to watch it. I know it's on Hulu. But, um, this feels like one of the... This feels like a reboot that I can get behind. You know what I mean? It's...
0: Yeah. I, never, I never heard of it before, honestly.
1: You never heard of Party Down? Really? No. Yeah. I mean, I had a friend of mine who, like, really liked it. And, like, she's also one of those people that, um... Loves white comedians like Adam Scott, the guy from Barry Bill Hader, Ben Schwartz, John Mulaney, Nick Kroll, you know, like Andy Seaberg.
0: Basically, like, like the two of, like, white comics.
1: She loves white comics. She does. So, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to check it out and see if I like it. It'll be an interesting thing to, you know, add to my watch list. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And honestly, there aren't that many new releases that are coming out that I'm too excited for. Um, I still need to, I guess, kind of like... Well, I'm sure there's always something new coming out on Netflix, but um, I think those are all the new releases I wanted to talk about. Is there anything coming out pretty soon that you're excited to watch or that you're looking forward to seeing? Because a lot of people have mentioned, like, Quantumania. I mentioned uh, Cocaine Bear on my last pod. Um, mm-hmm. anything that you're excited to see that's coming out pretty soon?
0: Um, across the Spider Verse, I am so excited for that movie.
1: Oh, when is that coming out?
0: I'm uh, pretty sure I think it's coming out in March.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, that will be pretty fun to see because there are a lot of new people being added. I'm sure there's still the original cast, and also like Issa Rae is going to mm. be in the movie as well, which. Uh, I honestly can't wait to see how her character is incorporated in that.
0: Yeah. I think that Oscar Isaacs is is in it, too. Thanks.
1: 99. Okay. Okay, so Issa Rae and Oscar Isaac, no additions to, Into this, across the Spider-Verse, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. <clears throat> That sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty dope. Yeah. I'm excited to see that as well. Um, I guess I want to touch on some entertainment news real quick. And The entertainment news I want to talk about is the fact that there were a lot of shows that were cancelled recently. Namely, um, Reboot on Hulu. Um, There was also Gossip Girl, you know, the reboot or revamped Gossip Girl on HBO Max that was cancelled and um also a show called inside job on netflix and then 1899 is a 1899 is actually a very new show on netflix and it's weird that that was canceled because that was just released this year like i don't think it's been out it's only been out for a month and then they just like canceled it
0: yeah i mean netflix tends to like cancel a lot of their new shows unless they like don't like take off like immediately and they're also trying to, I guess, cater more so to, like, people watching, like, reality TV. Because you have, like, a new Netflix reality show coming out every other month.
1: Yeah, I think that, um, I had talked to this, with, I talked about this with someone else right on my pod. Uh, their name is Bean. They're also, like, a freelance writer. They kind of work in the same field that we did on Off off Color. I think they actually work with discussing film. And they had let me know that basically, like these streaming services don't really make a lot of money. They're basically like hemorrhaging themselves, and it's really disappointing to see because I feel like we've officially like left the era of like, you know, you remember when like TV shows would have like that hundred episode um, yeah. celebration? Like that's not gonna happen anymore because these shows can't last even a season. Like there are so many shows that get can't that get renewed. And then they get canceled, like in the middle of like maybe making their second season. Like that happened with Minx on HBO. And now they're like shopping the show around for another platform from them. I think they may have found a different platform. Um, I would have to check, double check that and see. But that's ha- been happening ever since the pandemic. And also, there's supposed to be a writers' strike happening this year. And of course, the writers' strike is a consequence of all the other things that have been happening in, industry, in the industry.
0: I mean, yeah, I think that just with The way that things are uh, going, when the streaming was like lucrative when it was just Netflix or just HBO doing it, but now that like there are so many different different options and so many just such so much like competition, it's hard. Just it's hard. It's hard to basically get get enough of an audience to be profitable right now, and I think that. End of the day, that's it's hurting. It's hurting streaming services. It's hurting writers. It's just hurting everybody.
1: I don't think that there's a lack of audience. I feel like with how many people are subscribed to these streaming services, um, it's not that. I don't feel like it's that there aren't enough people watching the shows. I think mm. that really it's just that you're not giving these shows enough time to breathe or to yeah. like grow their legs really and i've said this before on my podcast several times but streaming services they're not that great at marketing like hulu is a lot better at their marketing i'm not gonna lie i think hulu is a better streaming service overall i used to think it was hbo max but then they started canceling like everything and taking shows off of their platform and then it was like you're cut you're out you're gone like sorry you're off the roster it's hulu now and hulu is a lot better um uh hulu is so much better with their marketing, because they market on like TikTok, on YouTube, they market their shows on like dating apps too, which is crazy, but also like that works, you know, people are always swiping on dating apps. And it just sucks that Reboot was cancelled, and now the other shows were cancelled. Um, I'm not that sad over Gossip Girl, because I feel like that show was trying too hard to be like the old Gossip Girl. And I didn't like the fact that like, I watched the first episode and I was like, I'm done. Cause it seems like with the new Gossip Girl, it was the teachers that were playing Gossip Girl. And that seems kind of stupid. Like, why are you as a grown adult playing in these children's lives? Why are you as a grown adult getting involved in the drama and the tea and spreading all this stuff on the internet like why are you trying to lose your job at this very nice school like yes the kids are mean to you but like are you really gonna get butt hurt over some kids they're 17 years old they can't do anything to you not really like i don't know how it's like to tell you like don't get your feelings hurt over somebody who can't drink legally like don't worry about it you know what i mean like why are you as a grown adult running offense stuff leave
0: that alone. Leave that for the kids. Like, it's yeah, dumb. I, I don't know. It's it's um interesting that you brought up Hulu's marketing, because I would actually say that Hulu, based on what I see as worse marketing than HBO. Wow, least, really? Yeah, because I tend to get, like, alerts and, like, see ads and things for, like, more, like, HBO things, like, Last of Us. I saw, like, ads for that for, like, for a straight month before it came out. Whereas, like, Hulu, most of, most of their shows I find, like, by accident.
1: The thing is, is that HBO Max only puts marketing towards their bigger shows. So The Last of Us, House of Dragon, and other shows like that, like Gossip Girl and Like the White Lotus, those shows get a lot more push and I guess a lot more attention from their marketing team. But there are other shows in their platform that don't get enough attention. Like, there is a show they have on there um, called The South Side, and it's actually really funny. And it's on HBO Max. It's basically a comedy show about the South Side of Chicago. And it has a lot of like pretty famous people that go on there, like Vic Menta has been on there, corday has been on there it's actually a pretty good show but it gets no love from the marketing like at all like i only heard about that show from from a friend of mine who's also on the pod and also like Issa ray who is from insecure fame you know we love her she has a huge deal with hbo max like a seven-figure deal with hbo max and her show um rap shit she had to do marketing basically on her own kind of like she literally set up she set up this video of this white girl rapping and it went viral and basically one of the city girls retweeted it and it was like what is this and then you find out literally the next week that white girl rapping is on the show rap shit. Like Issa literally did her own like social media marketing campaign for that show. And it's the same way with her reality show Sweet Life of LA which was a show about, like, real lives of these people in Los Angeles, you wouldn't know this show was on HBO Max because it's buried in their catalog. There's no way to find it. Like, the only way I found it was because I was looking through the reality shows and there was this, like, love dating reality show they had and it was, like, all white people. And then Sweet Life of LA was in the recommended list under it. And that's how I found the show. You know, so HBO Max has a pretty good marketing team like the last of us that's the biggest show they have right now that's why
0: yeah yeah i mean i think that with the, with any streaming service you're going to put you're going to put like more effort into like marketing like certain shows that like the studio is definitely behind versus some like other shows that like they're kind of iffy about. and honestly it's a lot of a lot of at uh, times is those shows that they're kind of, like, iffy about that, like, don't get marketed well are the ones that end up being canceled.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are other things in HBO that need more promotion. Like, there's a show called Game Theory in HBO with um, Bomani Jones, and I feel like that should get a lot more promotion, because I've watched a couple episodes of it, and even though, like, I'm not... A sports person at all, but it's a pretty good show. And there's also a show on HBO Max called The Brunch with Dan Levy and um, Sola from, uh, you know, Sola from what's the thing called that she was on? Bon Appétit Fame. Solo Sola Waley I think it's to say her last name. They have a reality show together called The Brunch where these awesome people are all competing. It's basically a cooking show, but it's very wholesome and it's very endearing. It's wonderful, and I love it a lot. And, you know, of course, like with a platform as big as HBO Max and Hulu Mm -hmm. and Netflix, you can't promote all their shows. You can't give the same amount of love to every single show you have on your platform, but you can at least try. Like, Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that. I think that um, that with some with some streaming services, you put like you put like a lot of money like into the show. You, you don't need like an, enough budget for the marketing of it. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of like HBO shows, in particular, Netflix too.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm just really disappointed by you know so many shows being canceled just like right off the bat and put on the chopping block because. It just shows that we're in this era of television where if your show isn't an instant hit right off the bat, then it's going to be chopped. And of course, I feel like that's hard on like writers and especially showrunners because they have had to come back from the pandemic and having to adjust to an industry that was shaken because everyone was working from home and a lot of people who work on sets can't do their work. Work from home, and you come back on set. There's limited people on set, and you have to spend so much money on, like, you know, PPP I think it's a term basically, like gloves and like masks and stuff like that. And now you're trying to refill your roster and bring in new visitors to your streaming platforms and creators are feeling you know, discouraged, writers are overworked, and they don't feel like they're getting the benefits that they deserve for all the work they're putting into it. And they're scared now that if they get a new show on a streaming platform, that if they don't outperform a show that is nominated for all these Golden Globes and all these Emmys, then they're just stuck and then they lose their spot and like to even pull a show off your platform that way actors and writers can't even get residuals off the streaming is kind of cold-blooded yeah. like
0: is really just horrible because because at the very least if a show like stays on people people who worked on it starred on it, did whatever on it are still getting revenue from it I mean when you take the show completely off, that is just a big... I it's just disrespectful to the people who worked on it, but it also just, like, hurts them financially for no reason.
1: hmm It also means that if you ever try to go pitch your show somewhere else, they'll be like, what else have you done? You can't really show what you've done, because your show doesn't really exist anymore. So then yeah. you don't really have, like a portfolio or anything to back up your work or to back up like the fact that you are someone of talent that you are someone that you know people should put their money behind and you know to people someone that people should trust it just it's very disappointing and very disheartening and you know capitalism is the real enemy in all of this capitalism is what stifles creativity in the first place like it just it sucks like all of this just sucks right now you know
0: Yeah, I mean Hollywood is kinda have to shape up or honestly I I could see a thing where maybe there's a move back to cable eventually.
1: I feel like we're already kinda stuck there. I feel like all these streaming platforms and stuff has forced us back has forced us to like kind of like we're in a reimagining of cable, so to speak.
0: Yeah, like I like I think that like Eventually, a couple of streaming services like I think that NBCs and CBSs are just going to fold, and, and all those shows are just going to actually go on the go on the, um, the channels themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there was one. <clears throat> actually, it seems that like Showtime and Paramount are going to combine and rebrand into a new name. So that definitely means that in that merger, there will probably be some shows that get canceled. Like, I know that there have been a couple of shows of Paramount that got canceled, like American Gigolo starring um, John Bernthal. And, of course, there will be some other shakeups from this. But it's just showing you the like, the way that everything's moving right now, it's a mess. It's, yeah. it's just a mess. There's nothing else to say behind it. Pretty much and uh you know it might be a mess but we still have some pretty good shows that we got out of it from last year and we're going to talk about this um I think on our list I put some new shows on here like shows that debuted in 2022 but a lot of the shows that we're going to talk about have been going on a little bit longer like okay well I'll just um we can just get into the me of the Mm -hmm. podcast. Start so talking about the best shows of 2022, and I'll go ahead and list the shows that we have agreed to speak on the podcast. So, uh, first one is Moon Knight that did premiere last year on um, Disney Plus, and then next one is The Bear that was also a new show on FX, also on Hulu as well. Abbott Elementary that was a new show, White Lotus is a new show, Atlanta not new but the the last two seasons of Atlanta did premiere in 2022 and it's still like one of the best shows ever made so those are the shows we're going to talk about today um is there any particular show that you would like to start with or do you want to just like
0: we could just go in we could just go in order
1: okay so we could just start with atlanta okay yeah, cool. so Atlanta is a comedy show uh, created by Donald and Stephen Glover. It follows the story of Paperboy and his, you know, journey to becoming a rapper and also his friend, Ern, who is a Princeton dropout and basically kind of, like, signs up to be, like, his manager and, you know, take care of his career, Spearhead's career. And the show begins from when they are him... It's Paperboy, aka Alfred, Urn, and Darius. And also um Earn's baby mama, Vanessa. Um, it's the four of them who is the main cast of the show. And it starts from the hard streets of Atlanta. Then well they the show ends back in Atlanta, but you know what I mean. But like I remember yeah. I rem- I remember first watching this show and like recognizing places where they were filming. And it was kind of, like, I love the show. Like, I think it's great. But it's also, like, there's that different kind of, like, kinship in your heart when you, like, see, like, where they start filming. And it's like, oh, I drive past the road before. Like, oh, I saw yeah. an accident in front of that store. Like, <laughs> it's we cool. You
0: yourself in the show. Yeah. I, I remember, um, Abbott, which we will talk about later.
1: Yeah. But I really did love Atlanta. I did do a podcast about Atlanta in full with uh, a friend of mine. Uh, You guys can go check that out. It'll definitely be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I think the thing I really did love about Atlanta is just like... It is kind of like surrealist comedy. And the first season is... Kind of like a kid, almost like I think the boondocks kind of in that kind of area of comedy. And it is a really smart show. It's very funny. The first season does have some transphobic moments in it, like it does. But um, overall, it's a great show. Second season I think was stellar Robin season was amazing. And of course, after season two, there's a very long break in between season two and season three because everybody in the cast got super freaking busy. You know, uh let's see, The Key Stanfield was in like three movies in one year. Donald Glover was like making music and then he was also in The Lion King. Um, Zazie B, who plays Vanessa, she was in Deadpool and then she was in The Joker and she's doing all this other stuff. And of course, Brian Terry Henry became a household name. Uh, he's been killing it he's also an oscar nominee now we're so proud of him i'm so happy for him and so when they came back for season three of course there's this huge time jump between it and um when you're like when i was binge watching the show you can see like a very clear like a little bit of a disconnect from season one season two and obviously season three because you know season one season two were filmed so close together we're like the tone of the show and the story of the show are still kind of the same. You know, the only kind of, like, I guess, gags in the show is, like, um, Black Justin Bieber, the guy with the invisible car. (laughs) You know, like,
0: the... I did not like season three at all. I I, I agree. Season two and season one were fantastic. Season three kind of, I don't know, season three felt... Felt like it was trying to give a message, but it didn't do a great job of it.
1: Mm. Yeah, I feel like season three... um, Season three was when Donald has this thing, right? Where he doesn't read reviews. And he just makes the things that he makes. And one thing that I've noticed in a lot of Donald's work, especially with... I I saw this first with his music video, This Is America he will make something where there are a lot of political statements everywhere and there are a lot of things being said, but it feels like you're just kind of like throwing buzzwords at a wall and you yeah. want to like pull it together into like an essay, like something that's a thoughtful piece, but it's really just word salad. And another thing is that like, if you put enough of, if, you're not, if you put enough shocking imagery and put enough buzzwords to be like, Noticed by other people, everyone else makes their own analysis, everyone else comes to their own conclusions, and you don't really have to like clarify anything or give like or just like give an explanation at all. You could just do what Donald and Stefan do, which is basically like, we don't read reviews, we don't explain anything. You know, we make work, we make art, and, you know, however you feel is how you feel. We made it. That's basically it. And that's kind of how I felt from his music video, This Is America, because there's so much going on in that music video. Like, it's a great music video. It's a great song. But also, when you're watching it a couple times over, it's like, are you trying to say something here? Or do you want us to figure out what you're trying to say? Because it kind of feels like you just kind of put it out there. And that's also how I felt about season three. Like with the white urn, so to speak, in the first scene of season three. And there's an explanation I saw on Reddit where someone basically said that, like, um, uh, the explanation was that Urn has always been seen as, like, the Oreo, you know, the black guy who acts white. Like, he went to yeah. Princeton, he's depressed, he doesn't really like the same things that other black people like, which is kind of how Donald is in real life. A little bit. And a lot of it. (laughs) A lot of it. And basically, the explanation I saw on Reddit was that um, the closer that Erin gets to. You know, being able to have money, disposable income, access to these huge places, being able to say no to these white people because, you know, Paperboy doesn't have to grovel or doesn't have to take bad opportunities. He can just say no to something and get the next booking because he's got it like that now. Like, Paperboy isn't like just an underground SoundCloud rapper. Like, he is, you know, a big name guy. And I think that in the show, he's supposed to be of the heights of like, possibly, I'm thinking like he's supposed to be like a 21 Savage fame. Almost like he's kind of like on that level, yeah,
0: or like, like offset or, a mm-hmm. little baby or someone like like that.
1: Yeah, but the explanation was basically that like the more successful Earn gets, the closer he gets to whiteness, and the closer he gets to this kind of perceived idea of whiteness almost, and. I really like. I have to pull it up. I have to send it to you so you can read it. It was an interesting explanation, and it's like it's that thing where like we as a viewer are coming up with our own explanations, and then Donald is kind of just like, okay,
0: yeah. Bye. I mean, I think that I think that that's where Atlanta falls short. Is it? Is that it has like all this beautiful imagery and really like like thought out storytelling, but mm-hmm. it go anywhere it's just it's just like it's just like a like there'll be i don't know a scene of like a black person being harassed but like they didn't it's just a black person being harassed there's no there's no lesson there's no real like plot point that's supposed to be hitting here It, it at times it kind of just feels like almost like trump like, trauma for the sake of trauma, or just, like, trying to be deep, for the, for the sake of deep, being mm-hmm. deep but it comes to um, racial issues, but, like, nothing really um, else beyond that.
1: Yeah, I do want to say that I definitely agree with you, and I think it's also kind of, like, <laughs> like, right now I am looking at Reddit, and, of course, a lot of people have very smart analysis over the show and what they think is going on and what they see and what they perceive. And I also feel like um, a lot of the things that Donald is kind of pulling into the show is also from his own experience in Hollywood because he started out writing on 30 Rock You know, working with, like, Tina Fey and Alec Baldwin. And then he, you know, did other things in his career. Notably, he was on Community. And then, you know, he started releasing his music. And then there was Atlanta. And so many other things have come from it. And now he's doing really great. Like, now he is producing a show called Swarm. Which is basically, like, a Beyonce-inspired TV show on Amazon Prime. And Chloe Bailey is in it. Also, um... There's another actress who's in it. I think her name is, I don't, I can't remember her name right now. I'll have to look it up to, just to be sure. And, you know, he's been doing pretty great. Um, I honestly forgot where I was going with this. I trailed off. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, hold on. Let me I mean,
0: sw- sw- I will like a lot of his work that, like, Donald Glover is still recovering from being called an Oreo in high school or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of feel like that, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, or like, or like, or like, or like, I don't know. Someone called him the safe black guy in like college, or, and he's just been like exploring that for a lot of his career.
1: Yeah, you're right. Oh, okay. The actress, it follows a titular character, Dre, played by Dominique Fishback, who is a woman who is obsessed with a pop star. And I think that. I don't know if Chloe Bailey is supposed to be playing the pop star. I believe that she is. Oh, okay. Dominique Fischbach. She was also in Judas and the Black Messiah. I remember that. Yeah. And she was also on The Deuce, which I didn't watch, but I do remember seeing her in Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't know why I can remember her name, but she is a very good actress. So I am excited to see this and like... Donald is a talented actor and talented writer, director all around. He is a renaissance man, but you're right, it's very clear that he is taking some of his own personal uh, problems, or like his own kind of personal things that he has to deal with in therapy, and putting it into the work, and it's not, it's not that like it's holding it back, it's just that it's kind of obvious and it's not benefiting yeah. it, really.
0: Yeah, I mean... I think it like holds it back from like I don't know certain people appreciating it or certain people being able to like vibe with it. Um, I think that I think that at the end of at the end of the day, I agree. You're right. Yeah, he just needs to work whatever this is in therapy and not through a show. Um, but I mean, Atlanta is a really good show. I. Season four, I think, brought back a lot of those season one and season two vibes for me. I think and season I three think...
1: was. I think season three is meant to be more experimental, and I remember Donald once saying in an interview that he doesn't like how people say that like Atlanta seems like it's not for black people, but it's mainly for white people. And you know, with the episode about like reparations in season three, which I think was like really good and like really well done. Um, the show is very clearly based off, like, his own opinions and, like, his own beliefs. And I do, I liked parts of season three, and other parts of it did kind of feel like a TED Talk, you know? Yeah. So, you're right, season four I, did feel a lot more like season one, season two.
0: Yeah, you now season four, I think, is, like, what originally, like, I loved about Atlanta just that, like... Just black people going through like weird hijinks and stuff like that. I think that season three tried way too hard to, to like deliver this very intense message about race that it wasn't prepared to, and so a lot of the things that it was trying to say between that um, reparations episode or the one about um, the mixed race high school kid. I think those kind of just, like, fell short just because it was, like... I don't know. It was conversations that were, like, already being had. And the show didn't really add anything new to them.
1: You remember when that guy was dying in season three? He was, like, Tupac? Or something? Like, I don't think he was actually Tupac. I think he was... I don't know. I don't know the symbolism behind that, really. But it's, uh... Yeah, I feel like for Atlanta, I need to have another episode. I need to like do a really big, big, big deep dive and just rewatch the entire show because there yeah, is I... so much.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that like one day I might like just like rewatch the show. I'll, I'll probably skip season <laughs> three. But... I feel like
1: I feel like I have to go through season three though, because season three kind of felt like, you know, Donald was kind of like okay. I wanna get experimental, I wanna get weird, I wanna try something different, I wanna try something new, I wanna explore like the the like boundaries, or, like the lines crossing over like whiteness and blackness and what does it really mean to be white and black and everything. Like that one episode with that kid who is black but he's basically like white passing and also like I I wanna give Donald a chance to explain himself. I do. And remember the episode with the, the nurse, not the nurse, the babysitter? Yeah. And she was like, Trinity, and she died, and the white family went to the funeral. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I feel like that episode really hit something for me because like I'm Haitian American. So I know what it's like to like have um you know women who are matriarchs in your community who have to work for white people to bring food to the table but they spend so much time with these white families that they become a matriarch in another family rather than tending to their own but they can't tend to their own because they have to make money because they were they have come to this country for opportunity and there aren't any real opportunities for them except through you know things like housework and things like babysitting and nannying and that forces you to have all your love and affection towards someone who's not your kid, but you gotta take care of them like a kid. And you don't have the time to devote that to your children, so then they're missing that in their lives. So, I feel like that episode was very... It was... It, it kind of hit me differently, because like I had a personal connection to it a little bit. And it it was funny. Like, the little white boy responding to, like, all the things they were saying at the funeral was hilarious. But, um... I just want to say that and also say that, like, I feel like Donald is a very smart man, but he also will use people in his shows to make certain points, and I wish he wouldn't. Like, putting Chet Hanks
0: yeah. in the episode. Oh, yeah, he's in the third episode.
1: Oh, my Bye. gosh! Oh, my gosh, I forgot about that one. <gasps> Liam Neeson, and you know that episode was trying to rectify the transphobia in season one. You know that's what it was. I don't know how they thought they did that, but I know that was like... And Donald likes to pretend like he doesn't read comments or he doesn't read criticisms. You do! You do read criticisms, because we told you, season one, Fan is barely in the show. And then season two, she's in the show. She has a whole episode dedicated to her. How did that happen?
0: For now, actually.
1: Also, they didn't know what to do with Van. They didn't know how to write her. They didn't know how to utilize Zazie Beats. Why was she frolicking through Europe when she has a child? Why did she beat a man bloody with a breadstick? What was that? Like, what was going on with that? Explain.
0: Who knows, honestly. Who knows? I don't.
1: And you know this also because they don't have any women in the writing room. Like, probably one or two women.
0: I mean, they probably they probably have those like one or two that like right like can share their experiences, but they have no other experiences to to go off of.
1: Also, you remember the Drake episode? Yeah. you remember when that black girl got mad at the white girl for having the black boyfriend?
0: Yeah, that was yeah, weird.
1: that was that that is every guy, every dude, every black guy that only likes white girls. That's the conversation they have in their heads. That's what they think the black women think about. We don't care. We don't Never care else. that you only date white girls or Asian girls. Like, that's fine. It's fine. It's only a problem when you start calling black women monkeys and bed wenches. That's yeah. the only problem we have. Like, also, Kevin Samuels did not need to be in that show. Why was Kevin... I
0: completely forgot about that.
1: this show is so. You know the way that I feel about Atlanta is the same way I feel about that movie. Sorry to bother you. Yeah,
0: I I watched that recently. Actually, Um, uh, that movie was weird. Mm -hmm. There were like a lot of like communist like undertones, but it never went like full full throttle. What it felt like
1: yeah yeah sorry to bother you i remember when i first watched it i was like oh this is different this is new it's creative and then upon another rewatch i was like okay so this guy like it's a smart concept and like i see like the, i see what you're doing here i see what you're doing here but also again the female character in the movie the same way bam in atlanta and Tessa Thompson and Sorry to Bother You. You don't know how to write these women. You don't know. You put women in your movies and your shows and they're there as love interests and they have their own opinions and they're strong and, you know, they have their own personalities. But beyond that, they have to stick by their love interests. They have to stick by their man. Like, there's nothing else to them. And I can see why they were trying to expand Van's character in season three, but they didn't do it in a way that was like, Good, you know, you had her being scared to be a mom, so she impulsively left her daughter behind in Atlanta to run around in Europe and then become friends with Alexander Skarsgård, which was also strange. Why was he there, and why were you eating hands?
0: I I don't know. I mean, I think that I think that Donald Glover is somebody who who doesn't. Oh yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't look at reviews and he doesn't look at criticism. So he doesn't look at like other people's experiences. That being a lot of them being women's experiences, so he doesn't end up knowing how to write women because he doesn't listen to it. Well, I mean, maybe he he does listen to like some, but I think that Donald Glover is someone who just writes from his own opinion and can't really. he can't really write from anyone else's.
1: I mean, Atlanta is with um, Donald Glover and Hairu Morae. Morae, I believe. And he's a Japanese filmmaker. And Hairu also directed Donald's um, This Is Us music video. And also, overall, um, oh, he also directed Guava Island which was a movie or, like, a short film that Donald Glover did with Rihanna. And that Sweet. wasn't that great either, that short film. Like, I remember watching it, and I was like, mm, this is this is kind of good, but also it's like...
0: I never watched it.
1: It's literally an hour long. I've watched it mainly because Rihanna's in it, and also Letitia Wright is in it. But I was also in that phase where I, like, I was like, Donald Glover stan... And then I think watching that movie, kind of like pulled me out of it being like, mm. it's that thing where um, people are, you know, fans of creatives who, yeah. the things that they make are different and are original and so innovative and are very good. And there, there is something like deep and something to learn from there, something to gleam from the things they make. But also when you look at it, a little closer, and you watch it a couple more times, and you look beyond the pretty coating. It's like, uh, is it that deep?
0: Yeah, like that one thing kind of makes you look at, look at the rest of their work and think, huh, was this really that good?
1: Mm, yeah. He also released an album. I think it was last year, um, and no one really knew about it. That was a really good album, though. I really did like it. It was kind of just like. So that he just kind of quietly released.
0: Very would... talented. Hmm? Say, I mean, yeah, he's a really talented musician.
1: Yeah. He's a very talented musician. Uh, the album was called 31520, and it was released in 2020, actually. And, I mean, I loved it. It was very, very good. Um, I do kind of wish that he would start performing live again, because I would like to see him live. Just once. He probably has already, but I probably didn't have the funds to go see it.
0: Yeah. I mean, hopefully, it it didn't cost as much as a Beyonce ticket.
1: (sighs) I can't go see Beyonce live. I don't have the funds. I don't have it. I don't have it. I'll just have to. If she releases.
0: I don't don't know how long.
1: I don't think she's going to release another Netflix documentary. I don't think we'll be that lucky. I'm gonna I mean,
0: have
1: to... I mean, she still has a deal with Netflix, so maybe, but what I feel like is gonna happen is like when the Renaissance Tour is happening, that's when she's gonna start selling the Formation World Tour DVD, and I would love to see that happen since it's okay. been years! Beyonce! The, the song came out in 2016, 2017? I don't know. It's been years, babe. Please, please, just where's the DVD? Where's the Formation DVD? Beyonce! Hello? I can't see you live. I don't have the money, please. Okay. Um, let's move on from Atlanta. Um, you wanted to talk about Abbott?
0: Sure, we can talk about Abbott. I love Abbott, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is by far my favorite uh, show of 2022. One of my favorite shows is, like, period right now. Um, as someone who is from Philadelphia, was born and raised in Philadelphia, spent most of my life there, it is just such a precious show to me. Um, and also the fact that my mom worked for the Philadelphia School District for most of my life, too, and only oh. recently um, got, got out of that area. So I grew up a lot around around teachers in the area.
1: That's great. That is so cool. What did your mom teach when she was a school teacher?
0: Um, she taught kindergarten and then she also moved up as a vice president and then a principal.
1: Oh. Okay. Well, I love that and I also do love Abbott. Um, I like the mockumentary style and I can very clearly see like Quintus said this in her Emmy speech and also like in her Golden Club speech because our girl is winning so many awards and she deserves it. Um, like she said that she's influenced by, you know, um, who was homeboy on Better Call Saul? What's his name? Crap, I forget his name. But like obviously, like the office and people like Henry Winkler, those are her inspirations for comedy. And I'm so freaking proud of her from like working on Buzzfeed. Now having her own show which is great because like the thing is that quinta has actually i've been following her career pretty closely and she has actually been like had like three different shows greenlit before abbott like really took off and like was supposed to happen like previously she had a show she was supposed to do that was supposed to be for like a donut shop i think it was oh it was
0: was it federal donuts
1: I think so. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was supposed to be with Jermaine Fowler and Larry Wilmore. It was supposed to be called, like, Superior Donuts or something like that, I think. Um, I believe, yeah. That was supposed to... I'm not sure if that show ever really happened. Actually, it did happen. I think that it went on for two seasons. Um, I'm not sure if she was still a part of that show or, like, she still, like, worked on that show. But I do remember, like, her... When the show was announced and, like, was greenlit, she was kind of, like, part of the team. But it doesn't look like she was... It doesn't look like she was any of the writers or she was in the show, it seems like. Oh, but, um, okay. The but show yeah. Was
0: still...
1: Uh, yeah. It was still made but... and like... She... Go ahead.
0: Uh, I was just, I was, I was just going to say that the... That the office style of um, elementary really, I think it does it, it does it pretty well because it also just it just gives the character just time the character just time to shine, show off their each each of their quirks. I think the janitor is probably my favorite character on the show, mm-hmm. easily. obvious. Yeah,
1: and I think my favorite character on the show is easily Mr. Eddie. I love Mr. Eddie.
0: He's so funny. He is. Yeah. Yeah. There's a theory out there, actually, that he is um, autistic, and a lot of his quirks are a result of autism.
1: I mean, I feel like that's very true, and I, I think that that's really... I do like it when that kind of happens, when there are certain characters on T V that like other people can relate to and I see parts of themselves in that. And I think that like he kind of acknowledged that in his Emmy speech, you know, that like a character like his and stories like uh, Mr. Eddie's is being told and he's very grateful for that. And I think it's really wonderful that, you know, he's getting the shine and he's getting this kind of moment and the spotlight, which he really does deserve because He's been acting for such a long time. Like Tyler James Williams is a phenomenal actor, obviously, from like everybody knows Chris to The Walking Dead. And, you know, he's had other notable roles all the while there. I remember he was in this movie called The Wedding Year with um, Homegirl from uh, Modern Family. Um, let's see if I can remember her name Sarah Highland. So he's been, you know, he's been doing this thing for a while now and I'm also Dear White People it was also in Dear White People that one too and Let It Shine we can't forget about Let It Shine a masterpiece
0: yeah Um, another thing about like Abbott is that they like very 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 um, accurately depict South Philly Italians Um, is just about the 9 out of 10 South Philly Italians that I know
1: we love to see it. And also, Lisa Ann Walter, I love her. I think she's yeah. phenomenal. She's gorgeous. Like She's yes. everything. And her and Cheryl Lee Ralph are so cute. They're mm-hmm. like two peas in a pod. And I'm so happy that the original dream girl, who is Cheryl Lee Ralph, is getting her flowers. Because mm-hmm. she deserves. She's amazing.
0: Yeah, she does.
1: Yes. And honestly, the show is so good. It, yeah. Every single part of the show is so hilarious and perfect. Um, you know, there are some things that I don't really like about the show. Like, I feel like um, Janine and Eddie, uh, I feel like it should be a slower burn with their relationship. Like, I know we waited the whole season, but I want, like, a painstakingly slow burn with the two of them.
0: And, I mean, I think it is painstakingly slow now. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm, like, 100% behind the romance, but I'm also kind of like, you know, I'm not against it, you know? If it happens, it happens. We'll see how it goes, you know?
0: I mean, I'm not, I'm not against it. Um mm-hmm. I'm happy that they, like, made it clear from, like, day one that, like, there was tension there. I don't know. I hate shows that have, like a, like, a, um... A male friend and then like out of nowhere in like season like seven, seven or six, like girlfriend with Joan and William where they just start like dating.
1: Mm-hmm It was like it comes
0: like out of like nowhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's it is annoying when that happens, like the guy best friend gets a girlfriend and suddenly like the girl best friend is jealous and like trying to sabotage it and she's like, I've been in love with you the whole time I was like, girl, we didn't know we didn't yeah. know you literally punched him in the face last episode. Like, how were you we supposed to know this? Like, what? I also would like it if Ava would stop hitting on Gregory, because even though it's meant to be a joke, it is sexual harassment, and it is kind of gross. And, like, overall, I love Janelle James. I do find uh, Principal Coleman to be one of the most irritating people ever. And I would... Yeah. I have worked for people like her, so it's just, like, every time she's on the screen, it's like, I love her, she's so funny, but oh my gosh, if she does something stupid again, I will literally scream.
0: I mean, it's a workplace comedy, so, like, if you feel like, I feel like no workplace comedy can work if people are actually good at, good at their jobs, or, like, mm. or competent, because, like, then it's just, like, people sitting at a desk typing all day. There are no, like, yeah. wacky hijinks, or No problems to solve.
1: Yeah. And I also love the show because it takes place in elementary school. And you see, like, the young kids there. And they're... Like, the kids actually, like, have lines. That the kids are a part of the show in the way that it would be in the school. And it's adorable because these kids are so cute. And it feels so... It's a very sincere show that highlights the challenges that come with working in an underfunded school and I went to a school that wasn't that well run or well funded like elementary school middle school and high school so watching this show I could like see my childhood on screen and I recognized so many of the teachers I had in school in that show and I feel like that's also what brings me so much that also brings so much love to the show and just like how hilarious it is and how everybody on the show they're not like caricatures so to speak like they're people they're fully bloody characters that all care about each other and care about their job and do what they can to make it work and overall abbott elementary deserves all the love it's getting and i feel like Absolutely. abbott elementary is going to be the one show that's going to get its 100 episode celebration and i hope that it brings back the faith For um, studios and streaming services to see that, like, if you give uh, new writers a chance and you give new ideas a chance and new concepts a chance, you realize that, like, it pays off in the end and you don't have to be canceling shows when they've only been on your streaming platform for a month.
0: I mean, yeah, I think that Elementary is going to be one of those, like, classic, like, Black shows that we look back on in, like, 20 years and be like... Wow, that was great! Like a fresh prince, or a living single, or mm-hmm. or I mean, I mean, going off of like just all of the kids that are that are involved, that's that's giving so many just young black actors acting credits. Saying like you say like, giving them giving them a start, or just something like add to add to their reel. Like they can say, "I was on a hit ABC TV show," that's going to like help their career so much too.
1: Yeah, overall Abbott Elementary is such an amazing show and I hope it goes on forever. Like I hope the show like gets all the love that it deserves and it's it's amazing. Honestly, it is absolutely stellar and amazing and um yeah, I mean I feel like I I don't really have anything else to say about it. it's gold, like it's comedy gold. The show is a masterpiece. That's it. Okay. Uh, so, do you want to talk about the White Lotus next, or do you want to talk about the Bear?
0: Uh, do White Lotus because that that show is uh more fresh on oh, my mind.
1: Okay, the White Lotus. So, if you guys haven't seen the White Lotus, that's wild because everyone's talking about the show, and it's like um it is a hit on HBO Max. Basically, the White Lotus is a TV show that follows um, <clears throat> um, a group of people that go on go to a very luxurious resort. And the series is basically a social commentary on the rich. And it's kind of like... It's like American Horror Story where it's an anthology series. So each season takes place in a different um, setting, a different location. The first White Lotus was in Hawaii. The second season is in Italy. Um, I'm not sure where the third season is. I'm not sure if Mike White announced or, you know, said where it's going to be. But, um, I really did love this show. I remember when it was first out. Um, season one, I'm not sure if people were really, like, hyped for it or really loved it as much. But season two really, like, knocked it out of the water. No, go
0: ahead. It was great. I mean... I will say that I think that the the um, finale was a little like anticlimactic, mm. just because so much build up and so much like tension that like I was expecting like I don't know, I was I was I was honestly expecting more death.
1: I, yeah, I do want to say like the season two finale, it did kind of. Um fall short for me as well but overall i really did like i really did like the show and i started watching it because i thought that i wouldn't like it like sometimes i you know i'll look at a trailer and i'll watch it and i'll be like you know maybe i'll like this maybe i won't like it and off of the first like initial watch for the first season of the white lotus like, the first, like, watch for the trailer, I was kind of like, I don't know if this is for me, I don't know if this is my thing, I'll I'll give it a chance, I'll see what it's about, I'll see if I like it or not. And, the first episode for the first season, I was kind of like, mmm, let's give it a shot. Let's see, and then by the end of season one, I was like, wow, I have to watch season two right now, because this this is so good. Like, I am enticed, I am in it, and it is wild, and yeah, it was, it's really good like it's a really really good show um yeah, what I mean, were your first I, thoughts when you watched
0: it <clears throat> i was gonna say i never really watched um season one i only watched season two um, wow okay yeah i do know um that what's her name um there was one carrier record character from season for season one
1: yeah jennifer coolidge yeah I mean Jennifer Coolidge shines in this show. She yes. really does. She is phenomenal in the show, and I feel like you have to kind of watch season 1 to really kind of get her character and what's going on with her and like her husband. But um, I mean it works out watching season 2 as well. Because season 2 is a headache in of itself. Yeah. I mean, what is
0: even going on? Yeah, her uh, crying while going John Wick on everybody was... Oh my gosh. But, like, hilarious, too.
1: Okay, so a little bit, I'm gonna say a little bit about season one, since you didn't watch it. But it was really good. Um, Season one is basically set in Hawaii, and it follows the um, Armand, who is the manager, and... The first episode starts off with a employee, Lonnie, and she is pregnant. And she goes into labor. And the thing is, like, she has to pretend like she's not in pain and she's not hurting while trying to help these guests. And these guests, of course, are these rich white people who are, like, so stuck up and don't actually think about other people and, like, their needs. And uh, uh, later, you know, at the end of the season, at the end of the episode, Lonnie has to go to the hospital because she is in labor. She's going to have a baby. And um, she literally just started that job, by the way. So no one knew that she was pregnant. And, like, she had to like start having the baby at the hot hotel. And the general manager Armand, he's like kind of freaking out a little bit because like his employees having a baby. He's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And where the people at the resort are like complaining to him about something that's so trivial and stupid. It's like, sir, we have bigger problems to deal with than whatever the heck is going on with you right now. You know what wow. I mean? Yeah. And you know of course like the um show follows a different guest And there are different issues. There is a couple who's newly married. And the wife is slowly figuring out that maybe she shouldn't have married the guy that she's with right now. And there is a couple... There's a family that brought the young daughter's friend along with them to vacation. And there's a whole thing going on there. And... There are a lot of other there are a few other characters in the show. Sometimes they get involved with of course the staff and like one of the people on season one is played by Natasha Rothwell, who you may know from Insecure, and she plays the I guess the spa manager so to speak. And she creates this kinship with Jennifer Coolidge's character in a way. Where Jennifer she like gives Jennifer Coolidge a because like the spa's all booked up. Everyone else is busy. She'll do it. Because like this rich white lady will not leave until she gets a massage, and the rich white lady starts to treat her like as a friend, and uh, Jennifer Kludge's, uh character's name is Tanya, and they start to get very close. But it's very clear that like Tanya sees Natasha's character not really as a friend, but kind of like a crutch a ch- or like a shoulder to cry on. Not really seeing her as a person so to speak and kind of using her and you know, Natasha is like her character really wants to open up her own wellness center to like help people, you know, like that's something that is a big thing to her, like at her, at her heart, uh, her name's Belinda. And she's very kind, but the relationship is complicated. And of course, Tanya doesn't really care about Belinda. She cares about herself at the end of the day. And also Greg is introduced in season one too which is how he gets to know him in season two, because in season one, he's a dying man. So he doesn't care that Tanya's weird. He doesn't care that Tanya cries. He's okay with it because he's going to die soon. And of course, from season two, we see that he's healthy and he's fine. And turns out Tanya knows a lot of rich doctors and he's healed miraculously, but now he's stuck with Tanya, you know? And, you know, Tanya is a rich woman. And overall, season one was very good, but I feel like season one focused mainly on, like, imperialism because it takes place in Hawaii and a lot of people who work at the resort are native Hawaiians and they had to like do like dances and like traditional cultural uh, presentations for the uh, Americans who are visiting the resort. and there is one person at the resort who works there and they- um, there's one person who works at the resort and their family was displaced by the resort and he of course now works there and his brothers hate him for it and overall it's it's a great show it's very interesting there are some other there's a lot of other stuff that happens in the white lotus but overall i like the show I like how interesting it is. It was very captivating. It gives an honest look into, you know, the different ways that like imperialism and the colonialism and capitalism still affect us to this day. And how it breaks families apart and how like, even though you may act like you're someone who's super woke, like Sydney Sweeney is also in the show as well. And her super pretty friend, brown friend is, you know, there as well. And they act like they're best friends. But they're not really best friends. Because, you know, white girls, they think everything is theirs. Yeah. 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 But overall, season one was really, really good. And, like, season two was, like, so much better. I don't know how season three is going to come in. It's going to be wild.
0: Yeah, three is going to come out, too. Because with, with the way that HBO is going, that might not be until, like, 2025 20, or something.
1: Oh, yeah, the writer's strike, right. What did you think of season two? Give us your thoughts.
0: Uh, I liked it a lot. I think that pretty much every storyline was pretty, was was really interesting. Um, my favorite was the one between Audrey Plaza and um, the couple, her husband and the couple that she was on, mm-hmm. on the I thought the, like, the, like, tension building there and the, like, and the, like, did she sleep with um her husband's friend was, like, really well done and, like, we still, even, like, to this day don't have, like, a good answer for that.
1: I feel like, okay, with Cameron and Daphne and then Ethan and Harper, Ethan was not honest with um, Harper. And I, mean, yeah. I feel like
0: not, not, initially. Though
1: I feel like maybe Ethan has done that before, and for him to be that paranoid over Harper possibly to be with his best friend, he has has to have done that before. Like you oh, don't I, get that. You I, don't get I, you innocent men are not that crazy. All right, like
0: I, yeah, but like I think it was like a stressful trip. And also, I think like if he like done it before, then there was no reason for him to like not do it there. Okay. Know. Yeah, I don't think he like did. I mean, I think that.
1: But wouldn't it make sense that them him doing it before, like, and them not having sex? Wouldn't that make sense? They don't sleep together. They sleep in the same bed, but they don't really have sex. And it is possible that, like, Ethan is not attracted to Harper anymore. So him maybe stepping out on her is it's not that far-fetched in my mind, so to speak. And I get that, like, him not sleeping with that, uh, you know, the girl in Italy shows that he tried to be faithful, but maybe he also only tried to be faithful because he didn't want to fuck up again.
0: No, I don't really. I mean, I didn't really get that. I mean, it's not like out of the realm of like possibility. I just didn't really mm-hmm. get like, like from like anything that like he did, honestly. I, I think got, the
1: Harper and Cameron substituted though.
0: Yeah, I got more of the like, I'm not really attractive to my wife, but like I don't know how to talk about it or like deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I am to not sleep with her. Yeah. So yeah, okay. uh, with the way that like his character was just like the more like archetypal nerd, like I just don't see it. Mm.
1: I do think that. Um, obviously, Ethan uh, Harper and Cameron hooked up, and then Ethan and Daphne hooked up.
0: And I mean, it's yeah, like the... Ethan, Ethan and Daphne definitely hooked up. Um, Harper and Cameron probably did, too. I just don't... Yeah, I just don't know, like, how far, like, that got. I don't know. I do like that, like, HBO leaves are all, like, pretty ambiguous, too. Like, it's basically, like, if you think they hooked up, then they hooked up, and if you don't think it, then, like, they didn't hook up.
1: Yeah. And it kind of brings in it kind of brings back what Harper was saying in the beginning, how she feels like Cameron and Daphne are fake, and, like, it's whole, it's a whole thing that they put on for people, and, like, they're not actually, like, in, as, not as in love as they say they are. When it's like, girl, you, y'all don't even, like, cuddle. So, like, maybe you shouldn't be worried about their relationship and what they're up to, you know? Like, and it's right. so, it's kind of weird to see, like, not weird, but, like, Ethan and Harper being so cuddly with each other at the, you know, airport and of course like that very steamy scene they had near the end just kind of showing that like um, maybe they just needed to realize that like is it is it harder for you to think about your f- best friend sleeping with your wife and then suddenly you're like attracted to her in some way like is that what you needed like you need to bone someone else and then realize that like you could bone your wife too like that kind of
0: weird thing I- I mean I think that at the end of the day both couples were like foils to each other because Ethan and Daphne were very compatible on like a like a mental level, but like physically they were kind of off, whereas um I'm trying to, I forget their their days, but uh the other couple were like very like physically compatible, boy came be, like well, emotional
1: It was they- Cameron and Daphne. Like Cameron is, you know, um Theo James and yeah. his wife Daphne. Yeah and then Ethan is Aubrey Plaza's husband. Or were you trying to, like, what?
0: Sorry, did I like, bring Oh, no. Uh, what I was trying to say was basically that, like, Aubrey Plaza and um, Ethan, they were, like, they're not, they were, like, they're on the same page, like, mentally, but not physically. Whereas, like, the couple, it reverses, like, on the same page physically, but, like, not, not, not so much mentally, I think.
1: I I do feel like um a little bit of I I'ma say this. I did try to like Ethan to a point, but like Harper really is like she's interesting, she's smart, she's not afraid to shake the table. And then Ethan's just kinda like there. He's just kinda going along with everything, you know what I mean? Like he doesn't really have like a backbone.
0: So they they were just you like stereotypical like nerd who like wasn't really popular in high school or college and then like in, in the real world it's just kind of like chill and just doesn't know what to like do with themselves.
1: Yeah, I think that um... I don't know. There's a lot to say about. Season two of White Lotus, especially with uh, um, the young kid and the girl, and like oh, yeah. his dad being a serial cheater, and his grandfather also being a serial che- cheater, and like this lineage of like men who don't know how to treat women and like respect women, and this young boy who goes like out of his way to be respectful towards women when it really is like a little. Sp- creepy at times because um there is a scene when he's talking to the girl at the resort who is tanya's assistant and he's like you know i try to be a nice guy but sometimes i think girls don't want a nice guy and you can see the look on her face where she's like uh okay and i got that thing where i'm like oh the ick. the ick, it's there where it's like you think you're a nice guy but like buddy you're being nice to girls to like a certain extent You know, like you, there's a limit to your kindness. Like you expect something out of it in the end. And of course you're not like a serial cheater like your dad, but Mm. you still kind of see like there's some give and take with your relationships with women the same way that like your grandfather sees like young women as like, I get flirt with them. They're not going to sleep with me. And what they're going to do, punch me in the face. And like your dad thinking it's okay to get a prostitute, but he's trying to win back his wife. You know, to, like, fulfill his needs and desires. And then you being duped by that same prostitute because you think that she's in love with you. And you think yeah. that you can, like, help her and save her from this dangerous guy. And she put on a show. Like, she put on a show for real. <laughs> like, it was a production.
0: Yeah. actually love them at one point.
1: Oh, gosh. I actually, like, thought they were a kind of a cute couple, but of course...
0: Yeah, of course it did not work out. No...
1: It didn't yeah um overall the white lotus is an amazing show it's a stellar show i feel like i definitely do need to do, like a full episode dedicated to the white lotus because there's so much to dive into in regards to it and like i like we just don't have the time right now but yeah. um armand and like oh my gosh we had to talk about this oh my gosh so you didn't watch this but in season one There's this whole thing where, um, Armand, he's the hotel manager and there is the couple, the young couple, they just got married. And of course the husband in the couple, he is upset because the room isn't big enough. It's not the room that they booked, the room that they thought they were going to get, the pineapple room. And, um, Armand is like trying so hard to like be nice, play pleasant, sweet and he kind of does like screw him over in one bit in season one but it's not that big of a deal and the guy is just being impossible and while he is so focused on the room not being big enough um the wife she is like reeling with the fact that like she married this guy simply because he's rich and kind of hot and super nice but he doesn't really respect her or see as someone or see her as someone who should have a real job and at one point the mom like the Dude's mom joins the vacation, which, why did that happen? I don't know. Armand called her. Hmm?
0: I say, yeah, why would your mom be on your honeymoon, basically?
1: Armand called the mom to join them as, like, kind of, like, a kind of smoothing over gift, whatever, but, um, though the mom herself basically said, like, oh, sweetie, you don't have to work. You're pretty. Like, you can be on a a board of a charity and go to a gal every once in a while, but you don't don't actually have to work. I mean, did you think you had a word? Like, you knew what kind of family you're marrying into. And, you know, the wife, she's played by Alexandra Dario, who was notably in um, Percy Jackson, and now she's in Mayfair Witches. Mm -hmm. So she plays, you know, the the newlywed wife, and she tells the guy, like, I want a divorce. I don't want to be with you anymore. And he basically, like, laughs in her face, and he doesn't believe her. And it's this very emotional scene like she starts crying like she is shaken by the fact that she had to say this to him and he's like you're going to regret this I've done nothing but love you and take care of you and support you and now you don't want to be with me anymore like he, it's, he gives that kind of attitude and so there is a scene in the finale where Armand is like done with this guy he's over it and he goes to the guy's room and he takes a shit in his suitcase and the, the guy comes in the room so Armand hides in the bathroom And the guy smells it. And he is just pissed. Like, he's mad. And um, then, what is it? Um, Oh, Armand makes a noise. And the guy gets freaked out and scared. Because earlier, there was apparently a thief in the hotel. It wasn't actually a thief. It was the young boy who lived on the island and his family was displaced by the resort. And then he worked at the resort. He started dating Cindy Sweetie's friend who was a black girl, and she told the guy to steal the mom, City Sweetie Sweeney's mom's bracelet, because it's is like, very expensive thing, and he can sell it. He got arrested. He got in trouble. She was trying to help him steal from colonizers, but it didn't work out in the end. And, of course, the white guy thought that the robber was going to come after him, too, because he thought he was unsafe, so they put a knife at the bedside table. Background. Okay. So we're back to the bathroom. <laughs> Sorry, I just needed to give you that quick background. But basically, we're at back at the bedside table... He takes the knife and he stabs Armand. And Armand dies in a bathtub. And it is such like a horrific scene cause he did not mean to stab him. Like he did it. But it's that thing where it's like they had this back and forth the whole time. Over a room. Over a room cause it wasn't big enough for him. It didn't have the view, it didn't have like a pool, it didn't have this and that. Like he was upset over a room and he killed a man. So now, Dar- so now Alexandria is scared because she wants to divorce him. So at the very finale, the thing is, is that the first episode of season one, you see that like he's at the airport and he's by himself. And this couple is across from him and they're like, oh, are you coming back from Hawaii? Where'd you go? He's like the white lotus. And the wife, the old couple is like, oh, I heard someone died there. And he's like, yep. And then the wife asks him, where's your wife? And then, of course, we as the audience, from the very first episode, think he killed his wife. And you see them fighting back and forth, but no, he killed Armand. And the thing is, there's another shot in the first episode where he looks out the window, and you see um, a body bag, a box that says human remains on the end, on the outside, being put into an airplane. So from the very beginning of the show, you think he killed his wife. He didn't. He killed Armand. But from the finale, the finale, this is the last shot. He's looking out the window, he turns. There's his wife, and she's standing there. He walks up to her. She is crying, and she's like, you know, we can make this work. It's okay, I still love you. And he hugs her, and he thinks that everything's fine. He has no idea that she is scared to leave him, because she thinks he will kill her when he did it yeah. an accident. Yeah. 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 There's a lot more that happens in Season 1 besides that, like, a lot more. But that's basically, like, what set up Season 1, and it was, like, so crazy. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen in Season 3, because, like...
0: Yeah, so am I. I have no clue where it's going to take place. I mean, I'm guessing it might take place maybe somewhere in Asia.
1: That would be fun. Yeah. Maybe, like, Thailand. I feel like Thailand would be very good.
0: Thailand, um, or maybe the... The Maldives would be would be fun,
1: oh yeah, I feel like they should do an island, but someone like bought the island It' was, yeah. like a rich person and they put a white lotus there as kind of like you know a cash cow for the island yeah. they bought. I want that kind of setting. that would be fun. Who do you think should be in season three of The White Lotus? Cause me initially, I want Nicole Bahari because I loved her from Sleepy Hollow and Miss June Teeth. And I also hear me out. This is gonna sound a little crazy. I want Bradley Cooper. I want Bradley Cooper to be in it.
0: I love Bradley Cooper. I said wait, wait, actually maybe not. It was like for like one season, for like HBO. Yeah. They can pull they they pulled big names before.
1: Because, like, a lot of the actors they have, they're not really big name actors, but they are noticeable enough and known enough. Like, Albury Plaza, Theo James, Natasha Rothwell, people know who they are. Alexandria Dario, Sydney Sweeney, people know who they are. You know, they're recognizable enough to draw you into the show. So maybe Bradley Cooper might be, like, a bit of a stretch. Maybe someone else. Like, maybe, like, Randall Park. You know, switch from comedy to drama. hmm We
0: never know. Yeah. Uh, I can't even really think. I mean, there's some. Um. Ooh. This is a hard play. Uh, I know, right? Off of. The top of my head. Okay. It depends on. It depends. It depends on what type of setting we're going for. Uh, Like, (laughs) if we're going for, like a rich person like island setting this is gonna be wild but just because um I recently watched um a glass the glass onion Janelle Monet.
1: Janelle Monet. yeah she she would be great I also feel like Michaela Cole will be good or if you want to go with someone who is like you know a little bit of a surprise I want Liz Gillies You know, Mm. from Victorious. I feel like she would be a lot of fun. You know. Let her reprise, you know, the bad girl role a little bit. Or maybe, like... um, There is... um, There's an SNL actor. I'm going to look up her name real quick to make sure that I get it right. Um, Yeah. Ego Nwadi. She's a Nigerian actress on SNL. She is really funny on there. I feel like it would be interesting to see her in the show. You know, so a little surprise, you know what I mean? We don't need like big, big name actors, but someone who is, you know, people who are talented, notable, recognizable, I would like to see them in there. One person, a lot of people have been saying Alexa Dimmy? Dimia. To
0: Jimmy? be in the White Lotus, yeah, Demi. I'm, I'm not sure the name. What's she been
1: in? Euphoria. Oh! Oh okay. my gosh! You're lying.
0: Okay, I didn't Are recognize. Lying. Judgy. <laughs>
1: I was like, can you he hear me? Why are you so talking? No,
0: yeah. I can hear you. I just, I don't know. I honestly forgot about Euphoria for a really? while. Yeah, I think like season one I was like into it and then season two I just forgot about the show. Mm-hmm. I think I that also um, Matthew
1: McConaughey he might be fun.
0: Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Um, well, what's his name? McNulty from um, from from The Wire. He also plays um, the husband from The Affair. Dominic West. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, you know
1: uh, who I, about- I want to see in The White Lotus. Who should replace Jennifer Coolidge?
0: Yeah, actually, who do you think the um, reoccurring character should be now that um, Jennifer Coolidge's character is not with us anymore?
1: It should be NeNe Leakes. You think? Yes! Yes! It should be NeNe! It should be NeNe, or it should be someone who is like NeNe. I need a comedic actress. You know, NeNe, she hasn't acted a lot, but... She would kill it. She would be so good. I know she would be. She's been on The Housewives for how long? How long? I I need it to happen. Like, Mike White... You have to hear me out. NeNe leaks on the White Lotus. I can just imagine her pulling up with all her bags and in like a nice little shawl from like her line, her fashion line. Because I think she has a fashion line. It's on QVC or something like that. But like she pulls up and she's like greeting everybody. She's super nice. And she's by the pool. And she's like getting into all the tea and all the drama. And I kind of want to see like what happens. Like so, Like I feel like she's going to be like a reaction queen, so to speak. Like, if something goes down, or, like, she'll be listening to people's conversations, she'll, like, she'll, like, get into people's conversations, and, like, maybe they'll put her in, like, the sassy black woman role, but she just does so well. She just, she just kills it, and I want to see her act again. I want to see her act so badly. I think she's amazing. You know, like, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. You have gotta give it to me, please. I'm asking so nicely.
0: Okay, I mean, yeah, I can see it.
1: I mean, can you really think of anyone else who could fill Jennifer Coolidge's spot?
0: Like, seriously. Oh, but, I mean, I also don't know what, like, direction they're gonna go in for season three, because, like, they could go... They could really lead into, like, the suspense and make it more of a thriller. It really, like, kind of like, take out that comedic element. Especially since, because, like, I thought that she would be the one character who would, like, survive and continue to be, like, a carryover character.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it. it makes sense. The way that her story ended, I, too, was not happy with it. Like, I was kind of like, this is kind of a letdown. Like, how does she kill four men with her eyes closed? Like, yeah. it's kind of like, you're leaning a little too hard on this comedy right here. But for her to, like, die in that way makes sense for her as a
0: character. I mean, when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. I mean I think that I think that her character dying in a really dumb way makes sense considering that like it was her Most of her storylines were kind of just her like bubbling around from like place place to place. hmm
1: And Jennifer Coolidge is a phenomenal actress. She is hilarious. She's a great comedian, and overall, I would love to see her in. You know, I would love to see you know a lot of people replace her. I feel like there are plenty of actress actresses that could fill her spot. Um, have you ever seen Rami?
0: Um, I saw the. First half of the first season, but I still need to catch up with it. Okay, I feel like if not
1: Nini Leaks, the mom from Mommy would be an interesting replacement because she's also in uh, Secession. so she already has like that HBO connection, and she's not like ditzy like Jennifer Coolidge's character was, or like stupid. She, yeah, but she like... is like, huh?
0: I said, I said she is pretty, pretty snarky.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's why she would fit. She's snarky.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. But you know, I think that we've spoken about uh, White Lotus and you know, we've gone over that. So now we can kind of touch on the bear and then we can get to Moon Knight. Mm. I love the bear. It is so good. Oh my gosh, Ah, I love it so much. Jeremy Allen White is amazing. And, of course, like, a lot of people know him from Shameless, as do I. And seeing him in The Bear and seeing him win an Emmy is everything. He is so talented. The show is awesome. Like, the show is great. You have to go watch The Bear on FX. You have to go see it. You have to. If you haven't watched it yet, what are you doing? Go! Like, you have to. It's amazing. I love it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that one thing the show does really well, is one, it shows just like how stressful um, food service and food management is. And also just like does a really good job of just like maintaining tension throughout the show, even though like nothing that they're like talking about or working on is like really like that deep, but just the like emotion behind it's just felt in almost every scene, it's just beautiful
1: yeah and I also feel like it's one of those shows that you know um, it's kind of like a show where it's like a group of people very diverse very different like backgrounds and stuff like that and they're all together in a common place with a common goal to like make this restaurant work and for those who haven't watched um, the Bear it's a show about this young chef who, left his hometown Chicago to join the fine dining world. And he worked at like the best restaurant. I think one of the best restaurants in the world. He trained with like one of the greatest people. Like he is an expert in what he does and his brother passed away and he went back to work at the restaurant that his brother owned. And now he's trying to like, you know, fix it up, make it better, make some changes. And it's, Honestly, like, it's, it can be kind of hard to watch sometimes because, like, there are things that happen in the episode where you're like, Jesus Christ, I don't know how I would survive it. But it, yeah. it deserves it's 100% Around Tomatoes. It is an expert show, and it's also, like, very stressful at times, but it's also very warm and also really funny. And it just feels like it's one of those shows I watch, and I'm like, this isn't a TV show. I am witnessing someone's life right now. I am witnessing a part of someone's like day-to-day life. And that's what I love about the show. And I also love Ayo Edabiri, who plays Sydney on the show. Because she is so perfectly awkward and weird. And just like, she plays the character to the T. And I think she's yeah. so great. She's amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that um I don't know. one thing that I thought was going to be more of an issue with the show, but actually wasn't, was those like bare dream sequences. Because I know that like a lot of shows have like a have like a habit of doing these like really like intense like hallucinations or like mm-hmm. dreams and like making them like or like or like overdoing them, but like the bear does a great job of, like, sprinkling them, like, throughout the season, the se- the series, so, like, whenever, like, that, like, that bear comes out, or that hallucination, like, you know it's about to go down, you're like, this is a serious moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, know, I think that just moderation makes the aspect of the show so much better.
1: Yeah, it does, and, I mean, overall, like,
0: I'm right. okay. I'm okay.
1: Okay. Is your phone good too?
0: Yeah, my phone's fine, sorry.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. It's uh fine. I lean back a little bit too far. Yeah. It's
1: okay. fine. It's fine. I think that the show also like um takes note from shameless a bit, from like the dark humor that it has. And um the show does touch on some topics that are Not always the easiest to talk about, but I feel like the show um, does a really great job of kind of looking into um, Carmi, the main character, and his. You can kind of see like the things that he is grappling with as someone's dealing with grief and leaving behind something that he works so hard for, and like watching it all like crash down in front of him, and how he's just trying so hard to keep it all together right now. And the I think what's really great about the show is, like, the entire cast. Like, the supporting cast really does make the show work. Like, they all blend very well together, and the chemistry is amazing on that show.
0: Yeah, it is definitely a a character-driven show, much more than it is fun.
1: But... Yeah, it is. And the characters are amazing. The arc of the show is phenomenal, and I was able to watch the show in just, like, one setting. And I feel like I will probably have to rewatch it again, because... It's so good. I oh, I love the show so much. It's so amazing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that, um... I don't know, just A1 performances all around. And I think they truly just, like, capture what it's like to, like, work at and just, like, be around a family restaurant and yeah. and, any kind of neighborhood, honestly.
1: Yeah, and the great thing is, is that, like, the show... Does really do a good job of capturing what it's like to work in food service, which isn't easy because I've spent many years working in food service and it's not fun. It's hard, you know, like, and it's really, it really is the people that you work with that keep you going at your
0: job. Yes. I mean, food service, I think, was rated as, if not one of, I think it was Mm what, number, maybe number three on like all time most stressful jobs Uh, because you're just like, you have, to both, you have to both do your job. You have to like manage customers. You have to make drinks. You have to basically be... five different things for, for tips, for $8 an hour, just for ne- not nearly enough money that's required.
1: That is very true, honestly. It is, and I have such a deep love for this show... And you can tell, like, they put a lot of work into the show, and um it's so good. It's yeah so. so... I can't wait for season two. I cannot wait for season two. And <laughs> I also, like... Sorry, what were you saying?
0: I was going to say, season two is supposed to be coming out during the summer.
1: Oh, that's great. That means that they probably started filming. Yeah. That's good. And... I just want to say, like, I, I love Marcus. I love Marcus. He's my favorite character at the show. Like, him and his cakes. Like, how he, um, you know, he messed up a bit and, you know, because, like, he was so focused on the cakes, um, he, that there was a power, out, power outage in the restaurant. And he was talking to, um, Carmi and he, like, apologized. He said, I won't make another mistake. I won't do it again. And Carmi's like, you will but it's not cause you're you, it's cause you're human. And that's just how it is. And that's when I was just like, yeah, this is, that's it. That's so real right there. And like Marcus, oh my gosh, he's such a teddy bear. And I think he's amazing. And I want him to like succeed and work out his donuts. And the scene with him and Sydney in her apartment where she's like making him like dinner, it's so, beautiful oh my gosh the imagery like when you see like the way that certain shows shoot food make it so much more appetizing than it looks and it just like oh i love that i love that so much and
0: uh, And yeah i think that like the bear does like great job of like i don't know making food seem more about almost like hope than like substance it's just like this, it's like a art for them. And I think that like, just the way that um Carmi, that Marcus, that everyone on the show talks about food, the way that like, they treat it. And it's like the presentation just had how they prepare it. It's like the small details that the show shows, I think it's just, uh, it shows a very different relationship with food than like a lot of restaurant or chef or like right, just food-related media um, has.
1: Yeah, it's a great show. It's a music show. And there's no reason why you have not started watching it already. So I urge you to go watch The Bear on FX. It's also streaming on Hulu, so, you know, go check it out. Okay? And we can just finish off with Moon Knight, which is a one of Marvel's newest uh, miniseries. Starring Oscar Isaac, it follows Mark Spector and Stephen Grant, two alters of a man with, you know, dissociative identity disorder, and they are drawn to a mystery involving Egyptian gods. And my favorite character in the show, it's not Oscar Isaac, which, you know, may surprise people, but I really care. It's May Kalamawe, and she plays Layla on Moon Knight, and she also plays... Dina on Rami and she is gorgeous oh my gosh she is such an amazing actress and I love her so much and I just have to see her in everything I have to see her in everything because she's so wonderful like she is phenomenal and her like whole like arc throughout the show is so good and um Jay, what did you think about Moonlight? What did you like about it? Like, give us some thoughts.
0: Things I liked about it, one, just how they portrayed Mark's uh, mental health. I think that a lot of shows making dissociative identity disorder, really just, like, mental illness, more of a plot device or plot point or more of something that's meant to, like, entertain the audience and, like, actually... Um, given the accurate representation of what it's like to live with these disorders and these illnesses, so I think that they very, very good job of handling his mental health. Um, Oscar think's just gave a phenomenal, phenomenal um, performance throughout throughout that show. Episode five, I think, still haunts me to this to the, this. To this day, um, in terms of just other things, I like. I think it's a way that the show just like respected Egyptian culture, respected Egypt Egyptian mythology, and that it was and that the country didn't necessarily feel like it was just like the uh, background, or just like the of the show. It felt more like a like a real life place that like, existed before it came about. Yeah,
1: I like how they really did do the work. incorporate the Egyptian mythology into the show as well and overall it was a phenomenal show. Ethan Hawke is also so good in the show like he really did kill it and Oscar Isaac gave such an amazing performance playing Mark Spector and Steven Grant And I also love the way that the show is written, how Oscar Isaac acted, portraying someone who has, you know, dissociative um, identity disorder. And I also like watching the show and like watching him, like go through trauma and go through his past and go through what brought him to like having these different identities and what brought, like what brought him there. It's, it's so, oh my gosh, it's,
0: It's impactful, I think.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I think that the show just, I I heard a while back, I'm not sure how accurate this is, but um, they had actually worked with uh, just DID clinicians and um, therapists specializing in it to really give a good portrayal of what it's like. I'm not sure to what extent they um, did so, but I'd heard a while back
1: yeah uh, really i think that this show was amazing and mm. the one thing i really did like about the show is that it's kind of outside of the marvel timeline you know it's not one of those shows where you feel like you have to watch it that way you know what's going to happen in the next marvel movie or what's happening in phase four like i know there are still like those videos of like how are we going to incorporate moon knight into phase four of marvel's cinematic universe like I really don't care that much. I feel the same way with Loki. I feel like these are stories that exist kind of outside the timeline, really. And I like that. I enjoyed that. I prefer that over, you know, having to watch WandaVision and then watch the Doctor Strange movie which was really a Wanda movie. And then having to, like, watch this movie and that movie and that movie. Like, I I love that um, Loki season one is connected to Ant-Man in Quantumania because I love Ant-Man and I'm so glad that people are finally recognizing the amazing the amazing film that is Ant-Man. Y'all been sleeping on my boy Tom Paul Rudd and you won't do it anymore because February 17th he's coming and so is Catherine Newton and so is homegirl who doesn't believe in vaccines but so is Michelle Pfeiffer like I'm excited for it
0: yeah, I mean, I think that uh, I think that it's just an issue that the MCU has had overall is that is that they've had so many um, opportunities to sell some really impactful, self-contained stories, but they always want to set up for the next Avengers movie or the next Captain America movie or the next crossover. Or it's just like... And, it, and I think they spend so much time trying to like set things up, but like it takes away from the story that's actually being told. And which, which I think is what like where Moon Knight's strength comes in, is that like it doesn't build to anything, it just like, exists on its own for its own merit.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad that Moon Knight has this opportunity to be, too, be its own self contained story. Because Oscar Isaac is a phenomenal actor and he really does show off just how talented he is in this show because to have to play someone who's dealing with all this guilt and experiencing like this trauma, it's not an easy feat. And a lot of actors do it, but mm. the way that he does it is just so heartbreaking. And it was like hard for me to watch like, yeah, episodes. Like it was he was so good. He is so good in the show. Like there's no other way to say it. He killed it and. Overall, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen for um, the next season for Moon Knight,
0: and I feel if like Moon Knight—if there is one—it was—it was—it was supposed to be like a limited series. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does—it it doesn't feel like one. I want there to be a second season because there are a couple of things that need to be wrapped up. But right now, there are no plans for one.
1: I think that, um, uh, basically, there have been some talks around Moon Knight Season 2. Um, Oscar said in an interview that for Season 2, there's going to be a focus on story first. Because, you know, Jake Lockley was introduced at the end of Season 1. And um, he is a character ripped from the comics. And people did like speculate whether or not he would be introduced into the show. Since we already have Mark Spector as he's a grant. And also, like, Marvel... These miniseries. Six episodes is not enough.
0: Yeah, Moon Knight really should have had, like, 13, honestly. Moon Knight should have had, like, the Daredevil treatment.
1: Oh my gosh, Daredevil. I cannot wait to see Daredevil in the MCU again. Ugh, I can't wait to see him again, because, you know, Finn... Finch? Fish? Yeah, Fish being in Hawkeye, and then, of course, Matt Murdock being in Spider-Man... And of course, Daredevil being in She-Hulk, like people were surprised when Matt Murdock and She-Hulk were a thing. And I just want to ask: Did we not watch the same show? Did we not yeah. see him try to bag Rosario Dawson and Karen and Elektra?
0: Yeah, I. you were
1: surprised. Yeah, I I I wasn't. Exactly, we all know what it is, and he oh. knows what it is. Like. Also, please bring Rosaria Dawson back into the MCU. Um, I would love to see her again. She's amazing, stellar actress. Uh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think that over the next couple of years, we're gonna see like a lot more of like Netflix actors make cameos. Maybe not get like their own shows again, because I think like I think the only reason Daredevil got was fact like, like Daredevil was like really popular. I don't think that any of the other Netflix shows were like that as as popular. But I think we're gonna get like cameos from like Luke Cage maybe in like the next Black like Panther or Iron Fist in like a Shang Chi movie. I think I think something like that is possible.
1: I don't think Iron Fist is likely to come back because that was the um lesser liked ones of the um Netflix Marvel series. Jessica Jones coming back is more likely because yeah. It was very uh, well-received. And, you know, Jessica Jones was a phenomenal show. Like, Kristen Ritter really did body that character. And overall, I would like to see Jessica Jones be revived. I do think that um, Luke Cage... It's a possibility that Luke Cage could come back into the MCU. Oh. But that show was good in season one, like, for the first half. But then they killed off Mahershala. And then like the second yeah. season wasn't as good, I'm gonna be honest.
0: Honestly, I liked the first half of season one. The first uh the second half was was pretty good. I like season two. Um I think that it was I think it was pretty good. I, mean, I think Cotton Mouth was a really uh intimidating villain, had a pretty good good motivation, was was whooping Luke for like most of the show. Um, Iron Fist is whether, like, I agree we don't really need to bring back, or if they do, just bring back Colleen, get kind of let Danny just, like, die or something.
1: We need Daughters of the Dragon. Colleen, Wing, and yeah. Misty Knight. That's what we need.
0: Yeah.
1: That is what I would like to see come to the MCU, really, because I feel like that would be a lot of fun, and the same, same actresses. We don't need her castings or anything like that. Like, the same actresses, but yeah. so thank you. And, um, I really would like to see Jessica Jones. But I don't want her to be, like, fit into the MCU. I don't want them to try like, wedge her in something. Like, I just want the show to come back.
0: That's yeah, all I, don't, I want. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think that, like, she might make a cameo somewhere. But, like, I don't see them, like, reviving the entire show.
1: Yeah. But it does make sense for Matt Murdock to come back because he was a lawyer for superheroes. So to fit yeah. him into the Spider-Man movies made sense. And, you know, I do... It's good that they're going to follow through with that one. Because Donald Glover was in the first Spider-Man movie. And, you know, he was, like, Miles Morales' uncle. So it was kind of, like, hinted that like, Donald Glover is now in the MCU. Because people wanted Donald Glover to play Spider-Man for a long time. And that was the whole thing. But he hasn't really been back. But also, Donald Glover is busy. So maybe, like, the MCU isn't something that he is pursuing anymore. But if it is, then, you know, I... I have a lot of ideas for who should be Miles Morales, if that's the route we're going in. Because I don't really think we need a Spider-Man 4, if I'm being honest. Like, I love Tom Holland, but y'all need to give this man a break. Like,
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that they were talking about actually recasting Tom Holland after this one, because I, I think no. he doesn't Spider-Man anymore. No, um just I bring in
1: Miles Morales!
0: Miles soon, I don't know when... Exactly, maybe during like the of Multiverse Wars, but um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I really, really do want Miles in the MCU, and I think that a lot of um, the current MCU Spider Man stories definitely took some inspiration from Miles. That's gonna hurt hurt his entrance.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are a couple people that I would really like to see and play Miles Morales. Like, RJ um, Siler, I think his name is. And he is in Rap Shit. He was also in Sierra Burgess as a Loser, but I feel like people will recognize him from Rap Shit. And um, also, obviously, a lot of people will say Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things. But if not those actors and not any other, like, young black actors that, like, people may already recognize. I think it's a smart idea to go with a new actor. Yeah, like
0: would probably be best.
1: Especially because Miles Morales is is Afro-Latino. So, it would just be better to cast someone who is Afro-Latino. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. But overall, those were the best shows. Of 2022, that we spoke on. I know there are probably some shows that you watched in 2022 that you liked. Feel free to like share them with us and let us know if there are any kind of like you know agreements or disagreements you have with us. Please feel free to like hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, and we are going to go into the last segment of the podcast, which is watch list. We talk about things that we've seen recently that we really like, or we talk about things that are coming out soon that we do hope to see. And it doesn't have anything. It doesn't have to be anything that you that's coming out soon, but maybe there's something that you can't wait to watch. Or that you're anticipating, and um, you could talk about that a little bit if you like. Um, one thing that actually I can't wait to see that I don't think it's like. There's one thing that I do want to see that's come out already. It's called Missing. It's basically like um, the sequel kind of to the show to the movie Searching, which was a movie starring John Cho and his daughter went missing, and he like did all this. So many things to find her. And the show... The movie is told through computer screens. Like, all through computer screens, all through technology. And it's a phenomenal film. It came out in 2017. It's so good. 2017 2018. It's, like, one of my favorite movies ever. And Missing is basically, like, the sequel, kind of. But it stars, um, Reed... Storm Reed, you know, who we know her from Wrinkle in Time and Euphoria. And her mother has gone missing now. So now she's trying to find her mom. Oh my gosh! It's I love Storm Reed and I can't wait to see this movie because I think it's going to be phenomenal. And I'm I'm just excited to see it. I'm excited to see you know what's going to happen, and that's just something I just got to get my butt into the theater and watch it because there are so many times where like movies come out and I don't take the time to like actually go and watch the movie. Like I'm like, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. And by the time I have time to see it or money, it's not in theaters anymore. It's not in theaters, and that, yeah, that- I can't do that anymore.
0: You um, I think in terms of um, watchlist, I mean, one Last of Us right now has been amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna watch that after we get off. Um, but yeah, uh, last the last episode I think was probably one of the best episodes of television. Period. I can only I can't think of many more episodes that like shook me like that. Um, and then in terms of things coming up into well across the Spider Verse. I am so excited for that. I can't really think of many, many more TV shows or movies that I have um, upcoming that that I'm looking forward to. I know that the um, Mario movie is coming out this year, and that looks actually pretty pretty good as well. And this show um, has been out for a while, but I'm just now watching it. Um, Snowfall. Which, like, for me, I can't really get into, like, TV while, like, other people are watching it for some reason. I don't know why, but, like, I've gotten so used to, like, binging that I'll just, like, wait for a show to um, basically be almost over, and then I'll get into it. And then, like, binge it for five, six, or however many seasons it is. But, yeah, that's uh, what's on my TV and movie radar right now.
1: Okay. Um. The Last of Us, I haven't watched that yet. I'm also someone where, like, if everyone's talking about a show, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to wait till everyone else has gone over it and not watching anymore, and then I'll watch it. I was that way with Euphoria. Like, everyone was talking about Euphoria when it first came out. Like, every single week on Twitter, it is just lit up with these spoilers. And, of course, I had to wait in between, like, the two-year mark of Euphoria season one and season two to start watching this show. And I don't understand the hype. I don't understand how y'all like this show. Like it's a it's a mess. Like even season yeah. one I kinda liked it, but also like it's a mess. You know? Yeah, man.
0: I always thought of Euphoria as kind of like Mr. Robot before teenagers.
1: Mmm. I feel like Euphoria is like this generation's skins.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense actually.
1: And I love skins. And the great thing about skins is that it was, a lot of the episodes were written by the actors. You know? Yeah. It was, like, skins was so good. Oh my gosh. I remember I used to be obsessed with that show. And I really shouldn't have been because that show was so crazy. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They, were, they were getting into it.
0: Yeah. Freddie's Death was still, it just came out of nowhere.
1: Man. Oh, yep. Um, what was the other things that you were looking forward to watching besides the Mario movie?
0: Um, it was Last of Us and then Across the Spider-Verse and then, um, Snowfall, but that show's like not, not oh, new.
1: Yeah. I've heard of Snowfall. Um, it is, I am the same way where, like, if a show. Is like very very good. A lot of people are watching it. I have to wait before I get into it. I always like that with the show called Elementary, which is like the American retelling of the Sherlock story with Lucy Liu. And I actually started watching that show, and like I, I think people didn't like the show mainly because like they're too attached with the Sherlock adaptation with Benedict Cumberbatch and um, Homeboy from the original Office in the U- UK version, and also like he was in The Hobbit. His name escapes me. It's like Martin something. But his name escapes me. It's basically oh. like...
0: Hmm? Oh uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, Martin... His last name starts with a B, but... I'm trying to remember. It's not, that, it's not that important. He was in Black Panther, I think, too, actually. Yeah,
1: he was in Black Panther. Um, But basically... What was it? Yeah. Um <clears throat> Lentry is a really great show... I really liked it because it actually, like, has, you know, Lucy Liu playing Watson. And it's from a friend perspective. It's not romantic, you know. And I think that helps the show a lot more. And the show was very well written, very interesting. And Sherlock is actually, like, someone who's a recovering heroin addict. Which is very cool because Watson starts off as basically, like, his recovery partner in a way, or like his sponsor. And there are a lot of characters that are in the show that I feel like should have been in the show more, or there are a lot of like plot points in the show that I feel like helped the story a lot more. And overall, it w- it's a better retelling of the show. I don't think better, but it's a different retelling of the show in um, contrast to the BBC version. Because the BBC version kind of shot itself in the foot when it started making fun of its fans in season four. And yeah. the uh, American version was at least smart. It was kind of homely in a way, but it was sincere. And the show focused on Sherlock's adventures, but also it didn't make his like um, aversion to like relationships something of a quirk. Or something that is like, you know, that helps his um, police work. It showed that like his aversion to relationships and getting close to people is something that is gross and not helpful and deeply rooted in like trauma from his family and other things in his life. And the show actually did a good job of deconstructing that. And Lucy Liu shines in the show. Also, she's blonde in one season, which is so good, because she looks crazy blonde, and I love this show so much, and I miss it, and it was my comfort show for a long time, and I have to go back and rewatch some of the episodes now, because I'm talking about it and like, it's giving me that warm, fuzzy feeling of, like, I need that nostalgia again in my life. I also there's seven seasons, and I watched all seven of those seasons. I think it was cut short in the last season, which really does suck, but it was really good.
0: I stopped watching this show, I think, around, like, the third season, and I've been, like, I start watching it, like, once a year, and then I watch three episodes, and then I I stop. But I need to get get into it more. It's a good show. It's just, like, for me, once, like, once a show has, like, I don't know, like, more than five seasons, it's hard for me to, like, binge it, because there's just so much content.
1: I feel like I love it when shows have long seasons because it's like, oh, this is my show now. I like it. I like the characters. I like the actors. I'm going in. Like, I'm coming. We're going into the end. Like, that's my kind of, that's my, that's my, that's mine. Like, that's my shit. Are you talking about Elementary? Did you start watching Elementary yeah. or is it a different show?
0: Yeah, Elementary. Oh, okay.
1: Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I had to go back and rewatch it. I also started watching this show called Vita on Hulu. It was originally on Stars. And I love the show because it's about these two sisters and their mom passed away. And they find out that their mom has a roommate. Which you know what that means. Because it's obviously a butch roommate. And one of the sisters is queer. And she was sent away as a child because of that. And for her to find out that her dead mother turned out to be a part of the community. The Alphabet Mafia. And she's like, one sister is like, And she's like hippie, and she's free spirited, and she's pretty, and she has terrible relationships with men. And the other sister is like hard, cold, not comforting, straight to the point, doesn't mince words, cynical, and also very queer, and like oh, oh, like it's it's a really good show. And of course, it's so huh. Uh, What's it called? It's called Vida. Vita. It was on Stars, and it's been on my watch list for a while. But I have different watch lists. Like I have a watch where so I'm like, I'm, I have a watch list where it's like, uh, these are on streaming services that you have, you need to check it out. And I have a watch list that's like, these are on streaming services that you don't have, you need to boot like this at some point. And the bootleg watch list usually doesn't get looked at a lot because a lot of times when I'm watching things, I'm on my break or I'm eating something, and like I don't want to open up one, two, three movies on my phone because I don't want a virus on my phone. Yeah. But, yeah. And there's also a show called Mo on Netflix that I started watching. And it's created by the same guy from Rami. And it's such a good show. It's It deals with, like... Um, most of the characters are Palestinian, which is great. Um, there's one character in the show who's actually a rapper. His first name is Toby. And he's an awesome rapper. Um, he also raps with his wife. And he is, like, a star in the show. The show is called Mo. And it deals with, like, immigration, relationships, money, dating. You know, how America does not treat brown people very well when they're coming over to this country. And the trauma that it inflicts on their children. All in all, I love the show. And it's super funny. What? And it's... Huh?
0: Uh, what's true in of this? Is it on Dina?
1: It's on Netflix. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's called Mo. It's just one season now. I really do hope it gets a second season. Because it is basically like, if you like Rami, you'll love this show. It's like Rami, but harder. And just, oh, yeah. it's better. It's better than Rami, because Rami got his own problems. Like, season three? Y'all brought my man Marsha Ali into your show for this mess. Rami, you need to get it together. What's going on? Look, I'm scared to watch season four, but I need to watch it at some point. I need to make some, I need somebody to force me to watch it. Because, oh, brown men. Oh my gosh. Men of color. Are so, like, sometimes y'all, y'all don't know what you're doing.
0: Yeah. You're not wrong about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeesh. All right. So, I feel like we've covered all the topics. I feel like we, mm-hmm. said all we would say. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode. If I've been meaning to watch that, don't forget to check us out on Patreon. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Check out Jay. Uh, all his links will be in the description below. And we will see you guys next week with another pod and another guest. Okay? Bye!